Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Welcome to the program, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this finds you and yours doing well, and I want to thank you for joining me for today's installment of the program. I trust that you were encouraged and edified by the series of interviews that I did with Kosti Hinn. I know that I was. It has been a tremendous blessing for me and my wife, both of us, Kathy as well, just to get to know Kosti and to hear the things that he has to say, to hear of his testimony and his devotion to truth now. It has just really, really been a blessing for us. And uh, since we had nine installments of the interview, I thought I would round it out, make it an even ten, just by offering you a a few thoughts of, of what we have been hearing over the last almost two weeks some concluding thoughts, some things that I think that all of us can learn, all of us should keep in mind as we listen, have listened to Costi's interview and, and the testimony that he has. And so uh, I just want to share a few thoughts with you and a, a little bit of biblical reflection on that. And I will ask for your pardon because if maybe you notice my voice is a little bit hoarse. Uh, it's not your speakers. It is uh, my voice. I recorded all of the interviews with Costi before my surgery, and I am recording this a couple of weeks after my surgery. And um, even though my voice is much better, it's still a little bit uh, a little bit hoarse because they uh, went into my neck and did some things in there and had to move my throat around, which <laughs> just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies when I think about it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, by God's grace, I'm, I'm doing okay and well on to the way to recovery, but my voice is still a little bit scratchy. So let's talk about, let's kind of wrap up what we've heard, summarize maybe what we have heard over the last couple of weeks about Costi's testimony. Number one, he has one. He has a testimony. Uh Costi can tell us, and he did tell us, about how the gospel changed his life. And, you know, and as I was listening to Costi's testimony, it's not that all of us to have, have to have uh, a testimony just like his and, and come from a, a family with the last name of Hen, but he has a testimony, and he can give his testimony. And just as I was listening to him do that, um, it impressed upon me what I've always, what I've already observed from others uh, who who have genuinely be, been saved, and, and there's evidence of God's grace in their life, is that they can actually give a testimony, a testimony beyond just "I asked Jesus into my heart," "I prayed the sinner's prayer." Uh, he, he can give testimony about how Christ has changed his life. And I think that is that should be a prerequisite for anybody who seeks believer's baptism. Uh, and this is something I wrote about in my first and only book thus far, Do Not Hinder Them. Uh, someone, before they are baptized, should be able 
to get up or, or as they're being baptized should be able to get up and give a public testimony about how Christ has changed his or her life. And if a person cannot get up and say, this is who I was before, this is who I am now, this is how I came to trust Christ, this is how he brought me to, to conversion, this is how he's changed my life. If, if a person can't do that, then that person should not be baptized. And, uh, of course, that would preclude uh, children, uh, young children, because I, I guarantee you there's not an 8-year-old, I, I seriously doubt, anywhere that could get up before the whole church and 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 say that. This is how Christ has changed my life. This is who I was before. This is who I am now. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't think uh, such a child exists. So a person should be able, and if a person cannot tell, give a testimony about how Christ has changed them, then they should not be baptized. They're not ready for biblical believers' baptism. So number one about Costi's testimony, he has one. He has one. Number two, Costi was a sheep. You recall how before he was converted. While he was working for his uncle, flying around the world with his uncle, Benny Hinn, in his G5 private jet, staying in $25,000 a night hotel rooms, living the life, uh, even though he was, he was doing this, he had questions. He would read his Bible on his own, and he began to notice that something isn't right. There was a disconnect between what he was seeing displayed in his family and and their their uh their 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 theological practice what they profess theologically how they how they live their theology out not that they were you know mean people I and mean, we heard him say that that is that his uh, parents were uh generous people but there was a disconnect between what he heard uh being taught from the pulpit by his uncle uh, and even by his father, and, and what he was seeing practiced, and what he was reading in the Bible. So he had pockets of truth, but he could not connect the dots. And this is the fact that Costi was a sheep. This is why the truth resonated with him. This is why it, it, he had these questions. And you may have heard me say in, in uh, one of the uh, installments of our program, of my interview with Costi, that when a person is converted, that is not a goat turning into a sheep. Okay, goats don't turn into sheep. Sheep don't turn into goats. A person who is a sheep has been a sheep from eternity past. God has foreknown those who are his own. And that doesn't mean he just looks through down through the corridors of time and see who will, who will and will not choose him. And then he elects them upon that person's decision. That's not what foreknowledge means. Uh, God set his affections upon his sheep from eternity past. And so when that person physically uh, is is conceived in the womb and is born, uh, that person is a sheep. Even before he's converted, he's a sheep. Now, before his conversion, he's a sheep who's wandering around in the sh- in the in the field. And every once in a while, that sheep hears... A faint call, he perks his head up, looks around, but then he goes back to grazing. But there comes that time, that Galatians 1.16 time, in which it pleases God to reveal Christ in us. And 
that call becomes effectual. That is the effectual call. The general call of the gospel goes out to anyone and everyone, but the call becomes effectual to those sheep who hear the voice of the shepherd. And when that call becomes effectual, the sheep go to the shepherd. That is the real meaning behind Jesus' statement in John chapter 10, my sheep know my voice. That that statement from our Savior is not as most erroneously teach and assume, uh, hearing some still small voice about daily guidance that God gives us on any number of, of decisions in our everyday life. Knowing, you know, who to marry, what college to go to, what job to take, what house to buy, where to live, all this stuff. That, that's not what he's talking about. That is a salvific statement from Christ. My sheep know my voice. And this is why, dear friends, the gospel resonated with Costi uh, even before he was converted. He had pockets of truth. He just could not connect the dots until um, that that call became effectual and he went to the shepherd. Also, uh, third point, Costi, after his conversion, had a love for the truth. The truth resonated with him at some level before his conversion, but after his conversion, once he came to a, a full understanding of the gospel and what genuine faith and repentance is, that is when he really had a love for the truth, a hunger for the truth, and, and a willingness to uh, be obedient to the truth. And that really is that is how our love for God's truth is fleshed out, by our obedience. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 14, he who, verse 21, I believe, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So the one who loves Christ, our love for Christ is not just feelings and emotions. It's not a warm, fuzzy, feel good, uh, you know, feeling somewhere in our emotional seat. Love for Christ is fleshed out in our obedience to Christ. And that is the only real objective measure we have of our love for Christ, our love for his gospel, or our obedience to Christ. So he had a love for the truth, and it was fleshed out in his obedience to the truth. When he, he truly bent the knee, and his knee was bent, he bent, but he bent the knee. Both of those are true. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, man's accountability, they're both true. But when he bent the knee and he came in, in genuine faith and genuine repentance were granted to Costi and he began to have a love for the truth and it was fleshed out. And I can give the exact same testimony of my own life and I'm sure that you can as well. Number four, Costi had a love for the brethren. He had a love for the brethren per 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. This is one of the ways that we know we belong to Christ is when we have a love for the brethren. And um, the very first time that Costi and I spoke, let's see, he called me on December the 30th, 2016, and I think we I think we spoke the not the next day, but the day after, so that would have been New Year's Day, right? I think it was New Year's Day, um, uh, 2017, that we first spoke. And we talked for two hours. And, you know, I just had, just in hearing him, here I am talking to someone with the last name of Hen, 
uh, I wrote my master's thesis on Benny Hinn and uh, was not kind to him. And here I am talking with his nephew, Hinn, and I love the guy. I just, I love the guy. Um, why? Because he's my brother, and, and I, I think I can safely say that he loves me. Uh, we've never even met each other in person yet. We've just spoken over the phone, but I have a love for him. He has, has a love for me. Why? Because we're brothers. We have a love for the brethren. We have a love for the brethren. And uh, I can give testimony of the fact I've been all over the world, and I can meet a like-minded brother or sister in Christ for the very first time, and I have a love for that person. It's just, it's a, it's something that cannot be explained really in words. It, it uh, I mean, it can be, but it, that doesn't do it justice. It, it, it is, it's really, um, it's, it's an amazing thing to experience when you, when you go to other parts of the world in a different country, different culture, maybe even a different language. But when you're with like-minded believers in Christ, there's just a bond there that transcends all those differences. And Costi uh, certainly has that. He has a love for the brethren. Also, Costi counted the cost. He counted the cost. Now, as I've already said, God is sovereign in salvation. In fact, Costi affirms that. That's one of the things that one of the good fruits of his conversion is that he came to embrace the sovereignty of God and salvation. But there is also man's responsibility and accountability, and Jesus tells us that we are to count the cost. We are to count their co- count the cost. Salvation is free, but discipleship is not. Discipleship is not free. Salvation is. Following Christ isn't. And this is why Jesus said, if you, you know, once you, if if you put your hand to the plow and you look back. And you're not worthy of Christ. There, count the cost. We're to count the cost before we before we surrender our lives to Christ. There will be a cost. What was the cost for Costi? Well, on a superficial level, it was there was a huge financial cost. No more flying around the world in uh, private G5 jets. No more twenty five thousand dollar night hotel rooms. No more Hummers. You know, no more. No more financial gravy train. There's been a cost uh, financially for Costi. He's now on staff at a doctrinally sound church in Tustin, California, and um, you know I don't I don't know what his salary is. Don't much care, but it's not a lot. You know he's he's not he's not raking in the big bucks like he like he was when he was working for his uncle, and he has a wife and two children that he's supporting. In California, no less, which is an expensive place to live. So there's a financial cost. But for him, there was also a family cost for Costi. A family cost. Um, Costi, as he has shared with us, has received opposition from members of, of his own family because here in uh, recent months, last couple of months, he's been very vocal, and rightly so, about his opposition to the Word of Faith movement, Prosperity Gospel, and even calling out his own uncle as a false teacher, boldly so. Uh, so there's been he's got pushback, and, and not just pushback, but but direct opposition, tangible opposition. Uh, he still speaks with members of his family. He tries to keep those lines of communication open, but there's distance there, great distance. 
There has been an alienation of affection. There has been the uh, often used but hermeneutically challenged touch not my anointed uh, leveled at him. And there's been some not so uh, thinly veiled uh, threats of God's judgment against him. Uh, not only from, but just from even even uh, uh, non-family members that, that have seen what he is doing in the public stance that he's taking. So there has been quite a cost for Costi to do what he is doing. But he counted the cost, and he is willing to bear that cost. Costi and I spoke of Matthew chapter 10, Jesus' words there, when Jesus says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be members of his own household. You know, sometimes we we read that and we it, we just kind of glance over it and we think, oh, well, that's that's for somebody else. Well, this is what being a Christian looks like. And if maybe you are one who has been uh, fortunate enough, or God has been gracious to save everybody in your family, if that's so, that is wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, for most Christians, that's not the case. For most of us as believers, we have members of our own family who are not believers who who are not Christians, and there's going to be friction there, right? Many of you listening to me right now, you're kind of nodding your head in agreement. You, you, you have members of your own family that there's distance, there's alienation of affection. Sometimes those family members will directly turn against us. A man's enemies will be members of his own household. Now, that doesn't mean we make them our enemies, but when we take a stand for the truth of God's word... Oftentimes, that will happen. Jesus wasn't just whistling Dixie when he said that. That's reality for many, many believers, probably most believers to one degree or another. That's that's a very real reality. Um, but also, Costi has, he has a new family. Even though uh, members of his own family are not converted because they are trusting a different Jesus and a different gospel, Costi has a new family. When Costi was born again, when God saved him, he got a new family. Mark chapter 10, verse 29 through uh, 31, verse 29 through 31, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundredfold in the present age houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, fields, along with persecutions, and to receive eternal life in the age to come. That is a powerful statement. You know, sometimes these prosperity preachers talk about a hundredfold return, but they say it in terms of you give me money and God will bless you a hundredfold back. In other words, if you give me a thousand dollars, say the prosperity preachers, God will give you a hundred thousand dollars. And they take it from this chapter, this this passage. That's not what Jesus is talking about. When we become Christians, we become members. We are adopted into the family of God. We are adopted into God's family. And when that happens, dear friends, we get mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters all over the world. 
You and I have family members all over the world, family members that we've never heard of and we've never met. But you know what? If you were to get on a plane right now and fly to Botswana, Africa, and you meet a like-minded brother and sister in Christ, you know what? There's a bond there, and you know this is my family. This is my family, and we receive this. This is the hundredfold return. But notice Jesus also says, along with persecutions, Paul says all of those who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So, yes, we receive a new family, but coming with that, we also receive persecutions. So, dear friends, as I get ready to kind of wrap this program up, I encourage you to pray for Costi. Pray for him because he is receiving opposition. Pray for his strength. Pray for his courage. Um, pray for him as he tries to be a witness in his own household. It's not going to be easy. Because what did Jesus say in Matthew 13? Matthew chapter 13, I believe it's in verse 57, 56, 57, along in there. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. So Jesus he is saying a prophet is not without honor. In other words, a prophet has honor except in his own hometown. And there's something about that family dynamic that makes it very difficult for us to reach members of our own family. Uh, sometimes members of our own family are the hardest ones to speak the truth to, the hardest ones to reach. A lot of times, and it's just because of this dynamic, this truth that Jesus stated and is recorded in Matthew chapter 13, it is very true that oftentimes one of our family members will, they will not hear us. They won't hear us, but they will hear the exact same message if it's coming from somebody else, if it's coming from somebody outside of the family. A lot of times, most of the time, they'll be more apt to hear that person than they will to hear us, even though we're saying the exact same thing. It's just the way it is. So uh, pray for Costa. That's not, you know, it's not universally true. It's not always. Every once in a while, a family member will listen to us. But more times than not, um, it, it, it doesn't happen. More times than not, um, it's going to take somebody outside of the family. That doesn't, don't, now, having said that, that doesn't mean you don't speak the truth to your family members. You do. It's still your responsibility, my responsibility to do it. We just trust God for the results. And finally, dear friends, let me say this. There is nothing more miraculous about Costi's conversion than yours or mine. Okay? His conversion is a miracle. Your conversion is a miracle. My conversion is a miracle. His conversion's no more miraculous than yours or mine is, but he does have the last name of Hen. There's no way to hide that. God, in his good providence, saved a man with the last name of Hen for a reason, for a purpose. And that purpose goes far beyond just that of Kosti. Kosti's transformation with his last name is now and will continue to be a powerful, powerful testimony for untold numbers of people for years and years for decades and even longer if the Lord tarries years to come a powerful testimony to the true power of the gospel which is not making the lame walk or the blind see or anything like the true power of the gospel 
true power of God is, in and of itself, the gospel. And Costi's conversion with his last name is a beautiful, beautiful testimony to the sovereign good grace of God. So pray for him. And I hope that this program encouraged you as well. So uh, praise the Lord for Costi Hen, and we pray that uh, there will be much, much good fruit to come from that. All right, dear ones, thank you very much for listening. And until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, or are interested in more teaching resources, or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference, you may contact him at justinpeters.org.